Hello, everybody. Tony here, and welcome to the first ever TSE podcast. Hello, everybody, and thanks for dropping by and taking the time to listen to the podcast. I recently caught up with fellow band members, John Bignall, who plays bass guitar, and Stuart Lanville, who's responsible for vocals and writes all the lyrics for all our music. And we decided we'd have a quick discussion about Where Are the Angels, the title track from our latest album. And we just generally talked about the songs, how we came up with ideas, and we talked about other things. So anyway, I hope you enjoy and see you on the other side of the podcast. Where did the idea for the lyric come from, mate? Well, um, it, originally, um, it, is, it was really um, way back in sort of 2016, 17. Um, it was after, strangely enough, it was after the Brexit thing. And what was going on at the time in the world was... I can't remember exactly the the circumstances, but I just started thinking about um, how uh, different religions across the world um, just don't speak to each other and don't get on. And it it started there, basically. So it was really about the idea that, you know, Catholicism, Anglicans, you know, um, Muslim um, faiths and, and different other faiths are all so different in so many ways. So that's where it started. Yeah, because the original lyric actually included the line, your face is bigger than the BBC. I actually remember um, a couple, <laughs> couple of the early demos actually had that on. Uh, why Why did you decide to change that? Because I think I, I think the lyric says um, effigy instead of BBC. Your face is bigger than your effigy. But with eyes that yeah, I did. I changed it because um, I wanted something that sounded big, like the NHS or something that was all-encompassing, that everyone knew the logo of. And your face is bigger than this really popular logo. And I was thinking, what's the most popular logo you can think of? And what's the most popular, you know, an easily recognisable thing? And I thought of and BBC just rhymed. And then I up further on down the line, I thought, no, nah, I don't want the BBC in my lyrics. So I came up with Effigy, which works much better. <laughs> we certainly don't want to give the BBC any more uh, publicity, do we, considering how uh, they're faring at the moment? I won't be uploading this podcast to the BBC, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Personal opinion. Please don't take it as read. <laughs> I remember I remember. I played back um, uh, to quite a few people. Um, uh, well, not a few people, just a couple of people I know. And um, although they heard the BBC line, I think a couple of people said, yeah, that probably ought to be changed. So before I fired off... I, a, loved, I loved it. I loved that line. I think it was great. But I think Effigy is just as good if not better, because effigy, you know, effigy kind of uh, relates us to something big. Yeah, no, exactly. I I mean, I personally thought it was improved lyric because effigy obviously relates back to religion and you're talking about effigies and ideology, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, We actually recorded Angels. I mean, I, I think I wrote the music way back in Berlin in 2013 or something like that, took it with me when I moved to Essen. I know that I had many recordings of the song itself, which may or may not see the light of day in demo version somewhere. 
Um, yeah. But um, if you can find them, it, yeah, I've I've still got them actually somewhere on one of my, one of my PCs somewhere. But um, I know it took me lots of sessions before we finally settled on a musical version. But um, how many recording? How many sessions did you do eventually for the music? I know it went through a a couple of of recording sessions before we got the final version. Basically, what, what you, I remember you sent me um, a, a pretty a musical version which was sort of unarranged but it had the basic premise of the song in it the, the basic structure and the chords and everything and as i do i listened through and just came you know came up with the melody in my head and then thought words to this um and thought what am i gonna how am i gonna frame this how am i gonna you know get a subject for it and all i remember thinking at the time was it, it sounded very dramatic and i thought i need a big dramatic um you know um theme here and I, I was just tossing ideas around as i said earlier with with um religious um devotion across the world across the centuries and how much trouble it's caused the world i mean it's if you've ever been to the vatican and seen the money that in italy there, just devoted to religion if you've ever been to i mean we, we all know on the news reports and so it's a big theme for me that was just like I've, I've got to comment on this because you know religion can be nonsense. It's about people. It's about what what we really believe in and helping each other. It's not about organised religion. It's just nonsense to me. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. I, I went to the Vatican. I was lucky in two thousand nineteen, and it, you can see the opulence. And there's very little to do with religion. It's more to do with sort of uh, uh, you know just showing off wealth and power and influence. I, mean, I completely agree with that. Um, there was the, there was another thing about the lyric where you actually included. I remember early versions had this thing where there was like a refrain that said like he he said and she said. And, and that was dropped. Can you remember how we actually decided to cut that out? Yeah, the first line, the first verse of the song was, I mean, there's some confused messages in here in many ways, religious messages, but the first verse of the song is almost about sitting down with God and, and sort of talking to him. And I thought, why Why is the popular, um, you know, the popular belief that God is always a he, could be a she? Um, that's, I'm, I'm sure many writers have come up with that idea before, but, um, you know, it just, that was the idea. It was, it was sort of a response. So he said, um, I'll have a coffee and you'll have tea. You know, I know you better than you know me. Um, I said, your face is bigger than your effigy. So it, it was really that I just, I think as we, as we went on with it, we, we kept, I, I, I just wanted to simplify it a bit. That's all. And just, just get rid of it. It, it really did anything. I think that the lyric that you replaced all that with um, kind of is is more ambiguous and, and it gives people, you know, you don't need to say he said or I said because it, it kind of, it's, it's obvious really, you're having a conversation with the big man, you know, and, uh, and uh, I don't think it needs the, I mean, do you remember when we, uh, when we first demoed this song, uh, the three of us got together with Mark James in at your place in Farnham at the time, yeah. Stu, and, yeah. and 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 uh, we all just we all decided drunkenly uh, that evening to uh, to do uh, a vocal line to Angels with me and Tony uh, and Mark 
singing out those, she said, he said. I don't know if Tony's still got a version of that, but that was old gold. Yeah, I, I, I actually do still have a version of the he, uh, he, he said, she said. I might dig out some of the um, uh, some of the original audio and just put clips into the podcast so that people can actually hear what we actually yeah. sung. Um, yeah, I remember that specifically as well. I also remember when um, I came over to Stuart and see him in Farnham in 2016, bought the original demo. I remember that his family listened to it. And uh, I think the original early vocal versions had this very ex- exaggerated version of, where are the angels? I think Mark James was uh, was quite often posting that on our messenger chat at the time. Where are the angels in capitals, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of started out that way. And um, I think the reason for that was that having heard the music in more arranged versions, as we went on, we got we started to get demos of this together. I remember saying to you, Tony, when I was over with you in Germany, this song needs to frighten children. It needs to be a really scary song. <laughs> and, and we kind of did that, but we did it in a really 80s fashion and it, it ended up sounding like Simple Minds sort of meets, you know, some horror movie it was it was it was brilliant but it wasn't really what we wanted to do so um but it was a it was a good start yeah and john i remember actually um how did you how did you settle on the bass tone you were looking for for the song because i think that also went through a couple of um couple of changes it's weird because i've been listening back to some old uh versions fairly recently and um the original bass line that i played on that song which I played on the uh, Ibanez bass, which has active pickups. We kept that all the way through. Uh, I think I may have redone it, but I did redo it on the Ibanez because I had to detune all of the bass strings, one semitone, to actually get that really grungy, low register bass line rather than having to play it up the neck you know, seven frets up the neck. Uh, and it, and I've never changed that, and I never asked you to change it. The original bass line, which is about four years ago when we first, you know, attempted the song, hasn't changed that much. I think I redid it once, and that is the only song on the album, Angels, where I'm using the lower... Um, I, I think I tuned the E string down to the A or something. Hmm. Um, and 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 all the other strings, and I don't think that would have worked as well on the Fender Precision, simply because it's not active pickups. You know, I mean, th- I, I think the Ibanez pickups picked up all those grumbly low tones because if you're playing a four-string bass and you're tuning down a tone, um, it's going to make a difference. You know, it's going to make the strings loose, and there's going to be a lot of fret buzz. But um, with, with, with the Ibanez, I got away with it, which is why I was reluctant to redo it all along. Yeah, but how, how much, John, did... Um, I know that actually we work together quite, quite a few songs now, is that you predominantly pick up on the, the vocal or the vocal line or the melody to which you can weave and base uh, your bass uh, magic around. I mean, how, how much of this song, Stuart's melody, did you actually take into uh, influencing your overall bass melody? Well, this this one, uh, I think all the other six songs on the album, I followed Stuart really closely with the vocal melody. This one, um, in the verses, it, it's kind of, you know, very chop and choppy. 
and and it's not really following the vocals but uh it's uh it does do that on the choruses and then we've got that little break in between the chorus and the next verse where it's which is just a totally off the wall thing but um no as far as following stuart's vocals that is angels is probably the only one i didn't follow it very closely and that's the that's the only song on the album you use the ibanez um that's right yeah the rest i use the the precision can you remember the model of ibanez it was and where, where you where you first bought it how you got it Oh, God, I've got it here somewhere. Hang on. Because I'm sure that will interest our listeners. As everyone probably knows, I'm a left-handed bass player anyway. So uh, I have to pay, uh, I think it's 15% extra um, every time I get a bass. It's up in my bedroom. Do you, oh, well. get, do you want to give me 30 seconds and I'll go and get it? Um or should we just forget that? Oh, we'll just, we'll just forget it. It was just an interesting question. It's, anyway, it's, it's one of the lower... Lower end budget basses. I mean, I got it in a left-handed version three, four years ago, and it and it's, it was still out less than three, less than three hundred quid. You know, um, if I remember rightly, this is one of the only songs on the album as well, Angels, where you actually you play at the beginning and I think the introduction to some of the choruses, this sort of harmony register, it's sort of like a block of um, two yeah, bass, that's right. two bass notes that are played as chords. It's in the introduction yeah. and it's actually somewhere else in the song too. Yeah, it's very evident. It's very evident in the intro. You can hear it quite well, but um, when when it comes to the actual choruses where Stuart's singing, where are the angels? That's where the that's where the bass harmonies are, and they're more kind of they're there, but you're not hearing them as prominent as you were in the intro. Yeah. But they're all they're all the way through, Tony, unless. On those where are the angels sections, they're on there all the way through, unless you forgot to put them in. Mm. No, I, 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 no, I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was a bit of a challenge trying to mix it because there were just obviously you, you have two distinct bass tones, um, the block yeah. chord bass tone and then the melody over the top of it. So um, trying to actually get those block chords to actually be heard was a bit of a challenge, mm. but I think I managed to do it. Um, I mean, there's been so many different versions of this particular song. Um, I wonder actually whether um, the mood of it's ever changed um, because it went through so many changes. Um, can anyone, I mean, I got a question that I wrote down and said, was there a feel or a mood that we wanted to convey to the listener when we were actually, when we actually recorded the song? We recorded it in individual parts at different times, but um, I wonder if anyone had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I do. Um, as I said earlier on, it, it definitely was, in my mind, it was always meant to sound like a menacing song. And I remember when you did the rearrangements to it with the sort of rising synth um, sound in the sort of bridges in the um, the section where it, where I sort of sing it, uh, your face is bigger than your effigy, and and, and those section those sections just before the choruses. Um, I started to think this is sounding quite big now. This is sounding like a real anthemic song, and um, but we need we needed to bring it back out of the eighties, which you did do that. And I think when we finally got to that, when was it, twenty twenty or whenever we recorded it? I think it was. Um, by that time, it was starting. It was sounding really, really crisp and up to date. And you know, it was just a case of right. Let's lay down the vocals. 
and get get the get the uh, the genius here to to get a brilliant baseline yeah. down. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A, a, yeah. a lot of the original versions didn't have an electric guitar. And yeah. I usually have an aversion to recording electric guitar because, one, I'm not a very good guitarist. And I always obsess over guitar tones. Yeah. Um, and I remember lots of early versions had no guitar whatsoever. But I think eventually the last year, I decided to write some guitar parts. And then I looked at the overall arrangement and there was also awful lot of keyboards uh, yeah. and melodies going on. And I remember consciously trying to cut a lot of stuff out. So, you know, I would remove a few things, a few keyboard melodies, a few runs from the first part of the song and sort of save all the ear candy and um, for the end of the song to try and build it up. I mean, um, I just wonder what, what you guys, I mean, what your, what's your favourite part of the song? Which section probably you think, yeah, that really starts to get me head banging. Just, just to, just to uh, interrupt you and wind back a bit, Tony. Yeah. Um, Stuart was mentioning um, that uh, the song has always, always had that menacing vibe about it, and that is, uh, you know, that is the main reason that I decided to detune the bass to do uh, to do the bass line for it, because um, Stuart's vocals were menacing. Your keyboard parts were menacing. Uh, the drum parts uh, are menacing as well, and I, I had to tune the bass to that. And uh, and the only way I could do it was by detuning, so that I could, when it gets to, I think the song was written in something like F or something, wasn't it? And I had to detune down to F from E or something, or up to. I had to detune anyway, but uh, the only way I could get that really growly menacing feel on the bass line all the way through the song was to play it all down at the bottom of the neck yeah you know? so so that that you know added to it and then when you put when you put your guitar parts on tony that's when it really started to come together for me because yeah. like you know when we we're going and you're doing your face is bigger than you know all those yeah that's right the stabs and all that you know it well, i'm glad you mentioned that because that was a complete noodle i remember sitting um and trying to think right i want to write some guitar parts and i was just noodling around i think a lot of great ideas come from just noodling doesn't it um and i just started yeah. to hear this yeah. riff which is the um which is at the beginning it's the first guitar part that you hear and I immediately thought, I, I knew I was ripping somebody off, but then I thought, yeah, that just sounds like Robert Fripp from Scary Monsters. That's uh, it, I think yeah. Scary Monsters yeah. and Super Creep has this really sort of, you know, this really sort of whining, sort of like uh, a bending guitar sound. And the moment I played it, it's just a little simple three-note refrain. And I thought, yeah, yeah that, that fitted absolutely perfectly. And uh, yeah. that's where I got the inspiration. And then all the other guitar parts kind of, kind of came... Um, came came round that I knew I didn't want to do a guitar solo um, but I knew that I think some of the verses and especially um uh when we come out of the middle eight section there's a just a quiet silent pause before we go into the ending of the song I knew that I wanted some rhythmic guitar there and basically just needed to be bass drums and rhythm guitar and then the keyboards come back in and then it ends with Stuart's uh, superb vocals at the end I must say the where are yeah. the angels um, which yeah. I, I really enjoyed mixing and producing that because when I, when I produced and mixed Stuart's vocals, I don't think Stuart's a massive fan of long delays and echoes. So, but I thought I'm really, really going to, you know, this really needs a where are where are the angels sort of it like worked on that song screaming from above, and I really saturated in a bit of echo and reverb, um, and it actually worked. 
Um, yeah. and, and that actually was going back to my other question is probably my favorite part of the song. Um, um, and also I remember is that original versions of the middle eight section didn't have, um, um, didn't have a lot of this talking in the background. I think there was, a, there was a vocal lyric over the top. Yes. Yes. When, right. Yeah. When did that come into the equation? Well, I was going to say leads us on nicely because my favorite part of the song is the middle eight. And when, when you, um, as, as you just said, when you, when you started, when we got the middle eight together and, um, there was, you know, it was much more structure to it. Um, sorry, much more instrumentation in it. The great thing about this song for me is it's the only song on the album that's got real light and shade about it, which I really love. And um, at that point of doing doing the middle eight, I was singing along to it and um, remember doing it, you know, doing, doing the takes. And it suddenly dawned on me uh, that it'd be great to have a spoken voice in the background. And I'm going to admit to it freely that my... Bowie. My hero, David Bowie, yeah. my, my, uh, my, my not my muse, my my hero, um, did a did a song called um, um, "Ashes to Ashes" many years ago, which the older ones among us will remember. And he had that he came up with that idea in in, in "Ashes to Ashes." Uh, I've never done good things. I've never done good things. I've never done bad things. I've never done bad things. And I just. It just hit me like a, you know, like oh, I can, I can do that. I could. That this song is perfect for that because that that's got a, a whole new area of kind of menace about it. And the way Bowie yeah. did Ashes, it was such a, you know, such such a moving song, but also really serious that that part of the song. And I just thought this this part, ah, it's perfect for that. So I ripped off my hero, and I'm not embarrassed. I think it was a great a great tribute to Bowie myself i mean that angels is to me it's pure bowing it was also quite tricky to um um because another thing is my journey as a sound engineer mix engineer really actually the album is the story of my journey trying to perfect my craft or learn what the hell i'm doing and i remember when you dropped those particular um tracks with the vocal i thought well that's just made my job much more difficult thank you very much um, because again, that was a bit of a challenge, you know, they couldn't get buried in the main vocal, but obviously they couldn't be so prominent that they completely overpowered everything else. And also there's a lot of instrumentation going on in that middle eight section. I think I've got like two independent keyboard melodies going. I think there's a bit of, there's some pads in the background, which are also crowding up the, 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 the frequency spectrum. And I thought I'm really going to have to my work cut out to get this actually sounding intelligible. Um, but I think I pulled it off. You certainly did. I think you did. Yeah, that was um, that was good. I think the ending's still my favourite. Um, uh, the melody that I wrote on the keyboard has been in every single version of the song, no matter how it's actually ended up. Um, no, it has, this, right, it has, yeah. this, has this rather haunting keyboard melody and a pad boop, melody. Boop, um, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think actually for the strings, I have these string stabs as well, like staccato strings. I probably wish I'd probably chosen a, a different type of sound for that but it, it did the job but um i always liked the um the melody at the end i can't i'm not yeah. going to attempt to hum it but there's this nice little melody and there's this sort of um um earthly sounding um pad that accompanies the whole section um i must admit tony i i'm still hearing new stuff even on new listens i'm still hearing stuff mm -hmm. that i never heard before as far That's as the awesome. keyboard tracks are concerned because she did so many tracks you know mm -hmm. but this is a kind of album that um, has got an instant attraction because it's pop. 
and it's rock and it's melodic mm -hmm. but it also has all those hooks and all those little bits and um it takes multiple lessons to actually hear it all angels is a is a very good example of that it's like a yeah. story isn't it and i think that's why i had the piano um sequence at the beginning and at the end because it's a bookend it's like a book so you have the piano introducing the story and then the music goes through its various um um phrases and phases and and um, whatever and then you have the same piano um refrain at the end um and then that's almost like puts the whole song like a book start finish um yeah and also the, the end of course i think is we had the demonic voice which was another um part that came in, uh, came in much later i don't think that was on original versions was it Stu? i've got the yeah the original lyrics um, that's funny that you should mention that because there's a couple of things to say here. Yeah, the original lyrics at the beginning, I had religion is dangerous, belief is not, which which stayed in. Because when I when I first started jotting these things down, it, the the song was at that point was more about it was more about um, that you know the Christian God saying to the world there will be a second coming one day and there never will be it was complete nonsense so the original idea of the song was where are the angels but then i where, where is the second coming and so at the end I, I had a line right at the end of the song as it fades out as it stops which was there are no angels there never will be which i dropped and i never used because damn should have a, it's that. too depressing and b it's not what the song's about because i went on to change the meaning of the song really into as i said earlier into more about religious war and religious what what toll religion has taken on taken on the world basically so but the demonic voice at the beginning was really important for me <sighs> religion is dangerous belief is not i think i, I when we recorded it I, I i think i said to you tony can you make me sound really demonic really awful and you just detuned it and did your stuff and it really worked so i loved it from the moment go I think the original, uh, the original version had him sounding like uh, one of the Smurfs, and then you that, dropped, that and then you bomb. dropped it down. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, was it was. Bomb. that was Cherry Bomb, wasn't it? No, yeah, the original version on this, I did I, when I did the first take. I I kind of did it like this, so I'll try and do it. I went, <laughs> I did a little laugh at the beginning. Religion is dangerous. Belief is not. And if we drop that, and so it just was religion. It didn't quite work. I did a little laugh at the beginning to make it sound like, you know, like the Joker right, out of um, Batman or some sort of mental nut. nut well, Phil Collins in Mama. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, exactly like that, but it just didn't work really. But yeah, yeah. I had to raid in the plug-in, uh, the special effects um, um, larder, so to speak. I tried out so many different effects, and I don't know how I achieved it in the end. To be quite honest, I'm going to do a mix breakdown video one day, and that will see the light of day in our YouTube channel. And I'll remember how I did it. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that wasn't in the original version. Again, I think actually when we started to work on the song again, it was something that you added, um, yeah. uh, and it was uh, it was uh, it was really cool. I think I might have run out of questions. So that's it. <laughs> well, I think that's probably it. But I think I've got probably one or two more. There was something actually we were talking a couple of seconds ago, and I had a question in my mind, but I didn't want to interrupt, and I didn't know what it was. We were talking about um, the bookends of the song, weren't we? The beginning and the end, and then we mentioned the oh, the, would, the would it be thing. the children's laughing at the beginning of the song and the playground noises as well, and and we brought those back to the end of the song as well. 
Yes, I'll tell you where I got the inspiration from that. Um, you remember, I think it was the start of Terminator 2? Y- yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what I, I thought. I think at the very beginning, um, is this very... Apo- um, um, I can't say the it's word. It's a nuclear war. Um. Yeah, and uh, basically she dreams about it. And then I think uh, the actor or actress, I can't remember her name, um, actually, Linda Hamilton. She, Linda Hamilton, she grabs the fence and she shakes it and there's yes. these children playing in the background. And then, of course, then there's a, a nuclear holocaust and everyone just gets vaporised in a second. And I remember actually when I came up or you came up with the idea of children playing, that's exactly what I had in the back of my mind. And I thought it was um, apocalyptic. Uh, and uh, I remember I had to search online to find a royal, royalty-free um, sound effect because me running around here, children's playgrounds with a microphone... <laughs> Wearing a Mac might have actually caused <laughs> some concern. <laughs> I think it really, it, 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 on a serious note, it really does add to the sinister nature of, of the song in, in its in its um in its kind of delivery. It's just just to have children's voices and then that demonic voice saying religion is dangerous, belief is not, is just off the scale for me. That was just yeah. brilliant. I love that. It works so well. It's kind of like Roger Waters doing the children's voices on yeah. Brick in the Wall, isn't it? Um, yeah. Funnily enough, I do know one other song that has children's voices in a playground at the start and has children's voices in a playground at the end. You'll never guess the band. I'll give you one guess each. XTC? No. Okay. Tony? Pink Floyd, another Brick in the Wall. No, it's the Stranglers. No. They, they they had a track on their second album called No More Heroes um, that was called School Ma'am. Yeah, I remember it. I remember the track yeah. School Ma'am. Yeah, School Ma'am, School exactly. Ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's kind of reminiscent, and, and it's exactly the same kind of feel. You know, it gives you that menacing it's a kind of menacing feel, and I think we've nailed it. You know, right, ten times better than the Stranglers ever nailed it. Yeah, because I think school. Because I'm a much better bass player. Well, we're ten times better than them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If only, <laughs> if only we had their money. <laughs> yeah, and their talent. Um, there are quite a few versions. I mean, God knows how many versions. One question I had was, um, you know, how many versions do we actually have? I reckon we must have had about seven or eight. At least seven or eight variations. Yeah, I know that Stuart uploaded one to Facebook, um, uh, 2016. Um, I think early um, uh, when Stuart did post something to Facebook. Um, I do actually have the sessions because I'm I'm using Studio One now. And back then I used Logic Pro X, but the other mm-hmm. day I did load up the old sessions, and some of them actually are still there intact. I've even got the original instrumental that I wrote. Um, when I think I was back in Berlin, which was massively guitar heavy, uh, really heavy guitars. Um, I even played a couple of guitar solos as well. So um, one day I might just drag all those together. I don't think they're candidates to release for money, but we could certainly upload them onto our website or to SoundCloud and offer them for free or anybody who's interested, you know, our our fan base. (laughs) (laughs) What, three people and a small dog? (laughs) Yeah. Just just as an aside, guys, while you were nattering away, I checked my um my computer file. Um and Stuart was saying that uh, oh there must be about seven or eight versions. I've got I've got about three hundred and eighty 
saved files of different versions of angels no yeah every time tony tweaked it i downloaded it every time we put an extra instrument on i downloaded it i've got huge amount of uh, versions I was just going to ask Stuart, basically, if anyone actually influenced you writing the lyric. I mean, were there any sort of lyrical references or influences when you composed the lyric for the song? Yeah. Um, well, as I've already mentioned earlier, I mean, there was some influence in terms of the arrangement of it from my my uh, hero, David Bowie. But no, not really. Um, the second verse, and a common theme, theme in all my songwriting is... I like to bring nature into it because to me, nature and a man's um, closeness and affinity with nature is what the world's all about. And so I, I, it's, a, it's a constantly recurring theme for me. And so for me, that, that um, second verse where I've got the lines, the sun will set, the moon will rise, the shifting sands, the changing tides. Um, a lifetime passes in the blink of an eye as nature leaves its mark across the sky one of the best lyrics I've written in ages. And I, it, I don't know why, where or why that came to me, but again, it was just, I, I wanted to just comment on how important um, and, and how much, you know, people believe in these religious artifacts and, and, and follow these religions. And it's got, it's got nothing, it's nowhere near as powerful as the effect of nature on, on our being and on our, time on this earth so it sounds like a grand it is quite a grand subject but yeah it is. influences again for me were from the the artists that i lyrically have always been influenced by and those are david bowie and to a lesser degree mike scott and um neil hannon of the divine comedy mike scott of the water boys um but in this case it was it was very bowie and i'd say a lot of the nature stuff is a common recurring theme for me that comes from my water boys fixation as well i think you're i think uh stuart has got an um a subconscious uh uh kind of influence that he won't acknowledge you know but um i could i could hear those lyrics being written by um the mid stranglers period you know uh, after the stranglers did all their thrash stuff with the distorted bass and all that. They went on to record a few albums of acoustic music, um, stuff that was, you know, different to everything else. And, yeah, and the lyrics awesome. got very deep. You know, I mean, look, look songs like Skin Deep and... Um, Do you know what? The, the, the album that I've, I've got and I still listen to uh, of The Stranglers, because I'm not a big fan, was Oral Sculpture. and That's the one, yeah. That album... You're dead right, actually. That album did influence me quite a bit lyrically. It's, there's a song, there's a couple of, there's one song on that called Laughing, which is fantastic. That's it. I don't know, I think Hugh Cornwall must have written the lyric. Um, and, it, and it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, I, I, there is definitely some influence there. You, you're right. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Listen to, mid, listen to Midnight Summer Dream by The Stranglers. Mm. That one has got a really deep lyric. And it's and it's kind of reminds me of you. Anyway, Tony. No, I was going to say, um, yeah, musically in my mind, I remember that actually when I was writing the music, and I think right early on from from when it was conceived, um, I really sort of had um, the soundscape I was looking for was from Simple Minds. But they did an album called Once Upon a Time, 
and they had songs like Speed Your Love to Me and Ghost Dancing. Um, and then they released this live album, which had this, uh, which is a great live album. I can't remember what it's called, um, but it had this really distinct live sound. And I remember when I was writing Angels in the back of my mind, I always had this kind of sort of dramatic, you know, big sort of Simple Minds production in my in in my in my head. It wasn't like New Gold Dream, which was pretty much what people called like an album you put on your coffee table, and it was very much easy listening. In fact, I think Once Upon a Time was the album that Simple Minds released directly after New Gold Dream, and it had a much sort of harder edge to it. And there was really sort of dynamic pianos and these really sort of really huge sounding drums. And I always remember that that was in the back of my mind. And I remember, Stuart, you said to me once is that, is that Angels is our anthem. And I just wonder whether you guys would agree with that statement still. I'll tell you, Absolutely. it's funny you mention it because I remember very early on when I was over in Germany, we were, we were sort of laying down an early version of it and you were mixing it. Um, we talked about it sounded like Simple Minds and I said, this song needs to sound like Waterfront. It needs to be that powerful, the sort of song that makes radios explode. But we didn't, we don't have the technology and we certainly didn't have, I don't know how Steve Lillywhite managed to get that song to sound so aggressive. It's unbelievably powerful, but we nearly got there. So thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We're going to try and get another one out as soon as we possibly can. We hope you enjoyed it. And I think we're going to start a mini series of songs that appear on the album. And the rest of the guys in the band will be discussing why we came up with the ideas, how we came up with the ideas. And we hope very much that you can join us for the next podcast. <laughs>